Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, I'm chatting to a woman who is the queen of spice. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. In today's episode of the show, we're jumping all the way over to Kansas City and we're talking to Amy Junk from Old World Spices. It's a family-owned dry food and seasoning business. It spans three generations and it works with some of the biggest barbecue brands in the industry, such as Head Country Barbecue, Sweet Swine of Mine, Suckle Busters and Luton Booty. So it's going to be a fascinating chat and we're going to find out a whole lot of the background stuff of what goes on in these different, uh, different titans of the barbecue industry. Now, before we get to that, I do have a couple of announcements that I need to run by you. The first is that we do have our our merch available. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, hats, beanies, we've got our Smoking Hot Confessions tumblers. You can check them out, smokinghotconfessions.com slash shop. And while you're there, if you're at the beginning of your barbecue journey, you can pick yourself up a free copy of our ebook. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. Now, in that book, you're going to find everything you need to know to go from zero to hero in the world of barbecue. And it's completely free. Just head on over there, have a browse around the website. A pop-up window will appear. You can put your details into that and we'll shoot it straight out into your inbox for you. And a big welcome this morning to everybody who's joining us in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook for this recording. If you're not in the group yet, make sure you head on over. It's a group on Facebook, Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community. Not only do we record these podcast episodes live in that group, we also just hang out and talk about barbecue. It's a family-friendly group, and it's just a nice place to spend some time talking about what we're all passionate about. So come along and join us over there. If you're watching the replay later on on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and hit that notification bell. Over on Facebook, it's all about the likes, the comments, and the shares. Now, IGTV, we love the cute little love hearts that they've got, and give us a comment and make sure that you're following us as well. And if you are listening to this later on on a podcasting app, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review. That really helps to push us up the charts and helps us spread the love of barbecue further and wider. Now, I think that's probably all you need to hear out of me for now. Let's get Amy in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Amy, welcome to The Confessional. It's great to meet you. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? I'm great. It's school holidays here, so I've got a bit of time off up my sleeve, so I get to spend it uh, talking barbecue. I love it. Well, that's awesome. I think we're flip seasons right now, right? So I'm ending my summer. You guys are getting ready to start into season. Yeah, well, I'm I'm fortunate. I live on the Gold Coast, which uh, my, my wife is from Arkansas. She describes Gold Coast as the Miami, Florida of Australia. So we never really have that harsh of a winter anyway. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, we, we just started spring a few weeks ago and my son and I've been surfing at the beach for the last three weekends already. So we are pretty spoiled. Now, unfortunately, I don't know Australia as well as I should. I was supposed to go over there in 2018 when you're having the wildfires. I was going to go over for meat stock and the fires started and I thought, wow, go over in March and it's going to be really smoky and I think I'll wait a little bit. And then for other reasons, everything got delayed longer. So now I'm on a two-year wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a crazy time, wasn't it? We had all, we had those huge bushfires. Half of Australia was on fire, and then we all got shut down and told to stay at home. So I just uh, everybody was barbecuing all at once. I wasn't sure what was going on. <laughs> it did look a bit like that some days. I uh, I'm in a in an urban area here, and I I remember coming home one day and the 
the the the fires were a couple of hundred kilometers away, so maybe 150 miles away, and uh, my street was still smoky, and the sky was orange of like the the sun trying to poke through the smoke. It was really spooky some days. Hmm. Yeah, pretty grim, pretty grim. Anyway, let's t- stop talking about bushfires and let's talk about barbecue. Okay. Tell me, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Oh, let's see. What did I just do? Um, I made chicken wings Monday morning because I had uh, prepped some for the football games on Sunday and then got carried away. It's still nice here. So I was watching the Kansas City Chiefs play football from my girlfriend's swimming pool. (laughs) We had a few beverages, never got around to cooking. So I woke up Monday morning and said, oh, I need to cook these wings. So I fired up the smoker at 6 a.m. and cooked chicken wings. Wow, I'm I'm impressed that you're up at six a.m. after a night on the beverages and watching the football. That's well done. Yeah. <laughs> still got to get kids to school. Still got to get to work. So true, very true. So tell me, what do uh, what do you like to put on those chicken wings? You know, the one that I just used that I really loved. Um, well, actually, there's two. So I always like to start with a layer of Boar's Night Out White Lightning. That's just a great base layer and just kind of boost up the flavor of everything that I'm doing. And then my new favorite, and you wouldn't think of this on chicken wings, but I got to tell you, it's really good, is the Luton Booty, uh, his new jalapeno garlic black rub, uh, Jolly Roger, I believe is what he calls it. And if you don't have it over there in Australia, you should be getting it really soon. It's out of this world. So it's a charcoal, uh, like a deactivated charcoal rub with jalapeno and garlic. It's got a great Southwest flavor. And when you sprinkle it on and your chicken wings turn gray, you go, oh, this is not going to look good. But when they, when they brown up, when they cook, oh my God, they're delicious. That sounds incredible. What was the third part of that? It was jalapeno, garlic, and? Uh, It's uh, deactivated charcoal. So when you look at the rub, it's actually black. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. It would be good on brisket or, you know, a red meat. Um, You wouldn't think of it normally going on a white meat, but it was, it was really good. That'd stand out at competitions too, when everybody's doing these, uh, these very red chicken wings and the judges open it up and it's different. That could be pretty cool Mm -hmm. too, but a bit of a good advantage Mm -hmm. there. And so are are chicken wings your favorite thing to barbecue or do you, do you prefer ribs or brisket? That's just football food. Um, you know, I probably do ribs more than anything else. Um, I just two weekends ago did, um, actually fired up two smokers because I had, uh, three racks of, um, baby backs and I had a, ra- a rack of, uh, the dino beef ribs. And so what? I didn't want to mix them. So I put, put one, the beef on one smoker and put the pork on the other. And actually the beef, my first time to ever do those big dino beef ribs. And they came out, I thought better than the pork that I do all the time. Yeah, the uh, the beef ribs are a favorite here at our place. They're pretty much set and forget, and they just come out so tender and juicy and delicious. It's really lovely you stuff. Slice them like steak. Yeah, they were wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when it comes to your pork ribs, do you do three, two, one? Do you hang them in a drum? How? What's your your pork rib method like? Um, so I'm a pellet grill smoker. So I've got the Green Mountain Grill. And I actually have, I also have a PK grill and I just got installed a new Santa Maria grill. I haven't even gotten to fire up yet. So, um, yeah, I know. Well, I've got, let me back up a little bit. I moved into a new house a year ago and it had a little tiny backyard or not a back, it had a large backyard. It had a little poured concrete patio. 
And I thought, man, by the time I get all my equipment back here, nobody's going to be able to sit because it just it was maybe 12 foot by 12 foot. So I uh, hired a contractor to come in and build a whole outdoor room. So I've got the big stone fireplace and I've got all my kitchen, my smokers, everything built in. Put in a gas grill, don't laugh. I think I've only used it twice for hamburgers, but I know when I go to sell this house, I'm probably going to, somebody's going to need a gas grill, so I might as well build it in. And then on the opposing corner, I built a waterfall. So I kind of have the water fire elements going side by side. And so it's become a nice little party place. So back to your question about, uh, no, what was your question? <laughs> Uh, we were talking about uh, uh, ribs methods, I think, three, two, one, or hanging. Rib methods, or... yes, yes, yes. So I actually, talking earlier about loot and booty, I kind of learned to cook ribs from Sterling. Ooh, nice. And I think you, you interviewed him recently, and so I always go back to his recipe. So I start with um, uh, my layer of rubs. Now, he doesn't like to use mustard. I use mustard. And then I layer it with the rubs. I put it on the smoker until it gets a nice bark. Uh, or uh, what's he call it? The scratch test where the seasoning doesn't come off. So it's maybe an hour and a half or so, you know, at 220. And then I take them off and I wrap them with butter and agave syrup. Put them back on for, you know, maybe another 30, 40 minutes. Um, when they look like they're starting to pull away from the bone, then I take them off. I'll sauce them, put them back on just for a few minutes to set the sauce. Beautiful. That so sounds really delicious. really very easy. It's yeah. so much easier to do than, you know, doing a, a brisket. And I, I do a brisket about twice a year and they come out okay. But briskets, you know, I'm spoiled. I get to go to all these competitions, Ben. I get to eat the best of the best. I get to eat the world champion barbecue. So I'm always my harshest critic when I make something that, oh, no, this is horrible. You should have seen the stuff I had last week. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'd imagine that would be hard to, uh, hard to, to, to not be overly self-critical when you're uh, constantly comparing yourself to those milestones. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if you had to choose then between your, your, your GMG and your PK, what's your favorite barbecue? Or is it neither? Is there another one? You know, no, I like my GMG because I can set it and forget it. Um, I mean, I'm a busy mom and I'm working and I different charities and things that I'm involved in supporting operation barbecue relief, different things that, you know, take my attention away. And so I just don't have time. A, a PK, you've really got it. I mean, that's a grill. That's, that's my, you'll laugh. My PK has only been used to finish off my steaks. So I start them in my smoker <laughs> and then I get my grill grates down on my PK and I uh, reverse sear, get my nice grill marks on there. And that's honestly all I've used it for. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. This is smoking hot confessions. So feel free to make as many confessions as you like. Sorry, that's PK, fine. you got a great product. It's just that's all I've really played with yet. Yeah, I've I've, I've got a PK three sixty, and I um I I do all sorts of low and slow on it. It it's actually my the smoker that I choose when I go to a festival to do demonstrations on stage and that. And I'll uh I'll cook overnight, and I do lamb shoulders in it, uh, beef like racks of beef ribs. I've done pork ribs in it, and I I I just set it up as a mini offset. It's beautiful. Hmm. Great idea. Yeah, just push the charcoal off to one side and then manage the vents so it forces the air and the heat across and love it. Yeah, I've had my GMGs longer, so I just think I'm more comfortable. I've been cooking on GMGs for about five years, so I'm just really comfortable cooking on that. The PK I just got probably six months ago, so I'm still learning. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. All good. Now tell me, how did you get into barbecue? Was it was it a scene that you were sort of born into? like? Were your parents into it or was it something that you came to later in life? 
I am third generation in the spice business. So uh, my family, my grandfather's family actually owned a uh, pork processing facility uh, in Dubuque, Iowa called Dubuque Pack. So they, um, you know, slaughtered the hogs, processed the meat, and that's how my grandfather grew up. He left that business and went into selling spices to the pork industry, to pork producers, sausage manufacturers. When my father graduated from college, uh, he tried a couple of things, wasn't sure really where he wanted to go, told my grandfather he needed a job until he figured out what he wanted to do with his life. And so my grandfather gave him a sales territory. And uh, at that time, my dad met uh, two brothers who started this little pizza concept here out of Wichita, Kansas, that's called Pizza Hut. Uh-huh. And at the time, they had three restaurants, and my dad blended all their spices in the basement of our house. Wow. So I grew up with the smell of spices everywhere. And you couldn't get in our car. You couldn't walk in the laundry room. You couldn't go anywhere that everything didn't smell like spices. So, um, yeah, so I really grew up in the business. The barbecue areas took off for us, I got to think back, probably about 2000 is when it really started growing. So my father grew up, well, we were here in Kansas City. So, you know, we are the home of the best barbecue, right? Of course. So this side of the pond anyway. So um, I grew up with, uh, it's now called Joe's Kansas City. It was called Oklahoma Joe's at the time. Um, Jack Stack Barbecue, Arthur Bryant's, uh, Gates Barbecue. There's just a lot of really good, you know, old traditional heritage names here. Well, my dad grew up with Jack Fiorello, who started Jack Stack Barbecue. And I think it was Jack was the one who got us started because we were doing uh, bulk seasoning blends for their restaurant, bulk rubs. And he asked if we could start to bottle stuff so he could sell it in his catalog or sell it, you know, on the counters, take it to the grocery stores. So we got a little bottling line that was um, semi-automatic and we started doing it. And then my dad used to always say, every time we bought a piece of equipment, he'd say, all right, now go fill it, go get some more business. We need to keep that line busy. So we just started building. And because we were a small company, we were very nimble. Uh, We had uh, food scientists and chefs already working for us, helping us to develop products. So we were able to start with a lot of entrepreneurs and small, small companies to help them get their products ready for market. So that's really where it started for me. Um, So then, of course, once you're doing that, we thought, well, hey, if we're going to make all these barbecue rubs, we should start going to barbecue contest because, you know, you hang out there and you get to meet more people. That's all it took. Very first contest I went to was Wyandotte County, Kansas, Blue Devil Barbecue. And I fell in love with everybody there and tried to go to every contest I could after that. Yeah. Wait, I'm going to ask you some questions about the American Royal and the Jack in, in just a minute, but I'm, I'm curious to know, you just mentioned that your, that your father kind of went out and then came back to the business. And a lot of times, um, you know, people sort of grow up watching their parents work and work and work in one thing. And then they say, oh, I'm never going to do that. So I'm curious to know what, what sort of drew you to, to, to stay in that family business? Was it the heritage of the business by that stage? Like being the third generation, that's, a, that's, that's quite a mantle to, to wear, you know? I actually, my uh, college degree was actually in uh, special education. So I taught uh, children with learning disabilities and behavioral disorders in high school. And I did that for two years. And then I started helping my father out over a summer. Um, So to back up a little bit, when my father started this first business, uh, my grandfather then joined him in that. And they actually sold uh, farmland, came in and bought them out in the mid 70s. And dad went to work for farmland for a little while. 
Um, it's really kind of a fun entrepreneurial story. I heard one time that entrepreneurs are successful in two out of seven businesses that they start. And that is my father to a T. He was very successful with his first one. He failed on the next five. And then he was successful on his last one when he came back to spices again. So it was 1988 when he got started again. So he had a 14 year gap that he had gotten out of spices. So I came on with him in 1990. He had himself and one salesman and a little 4,000 square foot warehouse and just did, uh, he was basically a broker and distributor. And now it's been, see, gosh, I'm gonna really date myself. So now I've been with him 31 years and we went from covering six states and a little 4,000 square uh, foot warehouse to shipping internationally. We have an 80,000 square foot production facility. We use outside warehousing and we run 24 hour production five days a week. So wow, that, that's incredible, nice. isn't it? That's huge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you mentioned before that you're in Kansas City, uh, Oklahoma Joe's and all that sort of stuff. What's your favorite barbecue joint to go to in Kansas City? Who do you, you reckon's got the do best? You can't do that to me. You can't do that to me. That's like picking your favorite child. I mean, <laughs> I work with them all. I love them all. I probably have certain things I crave from different places. So if you want to have uh, the best barbecue sandwich, it is probably the Z-Man or the Chicken Z-Man at Oklahoma Joe's. So the Z-Man is a brisket with uh, onion rings and provolone cheese melted on top. And then that great uh, Smoky Joe's sauce on a bun. Very simple, but oh my gosh, it's famous in Kansas City for the Z-Man sandwich. Uh, or you get a chicken Z, which is a pulled chicken with the onion ring and the provolone and supposedly cut some calories out because, you know, we barbecue people have to watch that. So. <laughs> we do. Yes. <laughs> uh, Plowboys has the best barbecue nachos. So uh, Todd Johns does a phenomenal job with those. Um, burn ins. I probably go to Jack Stack. Uh, so, oh, no, burn-ins, yeah, well, that's a hard one. Slaps, too. Slaps has really, really good burn-ins. <laughs> so maybe it's what part of town I'm in when I get hungry and then I know where to go. I'm not sure. Fair enough, yeah. they. Um, I was in Kansas City for the MBBQA conference in 2019, and they put us on a bus, and they took us to Slaps, Oklahoma Joe's, and uh, uh, Plowboys, and mm-hmm. uh, all those – all those different things that you just mentioned, except for the burnt ends. I can eat burnt ends, but I'm actually allergic to cheese. So I couldn't try the Z-Man sandwich. I couldn't try the nachos. I had had to just sit and watch everybody else eat them. (laughs) Well, I'm sure everyone else on the bus probably appreciated that you did not eat the cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Now you've, you've just come back from the American Royal. When, When we were emailing the last couple of weeks, you were either getting ready to go or you were at the Royal. Tell us what that was like, uh, in this year when it was able to run again. You know, it was so phenomenal, just not seeing our family for two years, um, getting everybody back here in town, because the American Royal is the world's largest barbecue competition. And on a typical year, they have between 550 and 600 teams, and I believe 17 different countries represented. This year, it was it was a little smaller. We had about 475 teams, if you consider that small. Um, and I believe there are only two international companies, uh, companies, countries uh, that were represented just because of travel restrictions right now. Um, but it was wonderful. We had the biggest contingency from Texas that I've ever seen. 
Um, Texas always kind of does their own thing. They stay a little separated on their barbecue. Not a lot of those teams want to travel and do the, uh, the, the KCBS sanctioned contest, Kansas City Barbecue Society versus, I always forget what it is in Texas, IB, uh, IBCA, I think, or, yes, or IBCA, ICBA. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of times they kind of stay in their own little bubble and compete, but we had a bunch of them up this year. So it was really fun at awards because they all sat together and every time a Texas team would get called, the whole crowd would just go wild and jumping up and down and they were having such a good time. So uh, our weather was beautiful. It was, um, it didn't rain on us, which was, you know, always a plus. Um, the food was phenomenal. The people were happy to be back. We were really worried if we would have mask mandates or not, and if people would be able to come freely come in and, and walk around. But because it was outdoors, and they hold it in the, um, there's a NASCAR track, the Kansas Speedway, and they actually hold it now in the infield of the track. So it's right. a, a very wide space and lots of room for everybody to spread out, and they handled the crowds beautifully. Yeah, sounds like a, like a great uh, party when everyone was able to get back together again. And I'd say that's probably why the Texans were so keen to come up was because everyone's been at home for so long, not going to competitions. Mm-hmm. And when the opportunity came up, they all jumped on it. That, that or somebody in Kansas City talked smack on them and they had to come up and prove you know that they could do it. And they did. <laughs> they did really well. They did for sure, yeah. Now tell me... What do you do at these types of events? Do you cook on a team or do you do you host like a, a sponsor pavilion? What does uh, what does Old World Spices do at these events? So I will have, I have so many pit masters around the country that I work with. And at the American Royal, I had, oh gosh, what did I have this year? 26 teams that I package rubs for that come. Wow. So we also have a program within our company that we call our championship program. So we take some, we take the best of the best. Uh, these guys that are winning the competitions that have phenomenal products that we not only will manufacture for them, uh, but we will distribute. Uh, we have a sales team that's out. We have a broker network across the country. And what we really try to do is avoid grocery stores. We go where the, we think the barbecue enthusiasts are shopping which is hardware, outdoor living, and sporting goods stores. Anybody selling the high-end grills and smokers. Um, you're not, if you're serious about barbecue, you're not going to walk into a Walmart and buy McCormick Grill Mates for $2 a bottle and put that on your $70 brisket. You're just not going to do it. So we want to go where there's, you know, where people are a little more serious, a little more educated, and it's worked really, really well for us. So what I try to help these guys do in a typical um, barbecue champion pit master. Most of these guys don't do it full time. This is their hobby. I have bankers. I have realtors. I have over the road truck drivers. I even have a dynamite engineer that I work with. So they don't really know how to promote themselves, how to design labels and products. So that's really my job. Uh, I mean, I have a team behind me, but I'm kind of the front person that goes out and works with these guys, helps them make sure that the product they're coming up with is good. Um, that it's something that the market wants. Sometimes you have a really wild idea, like I want to do the hottest barbecue rub ever. And I have to say, well, you'll sell five bottles because not everybody wants to burn their throat off. That's a different market than where we're selling. Or they'll say, I want to be in Walmart. It's like, okay, you will make next to nothing on every bottle and you'll maybe be on the shelf for 18 months. So, you know, I, I kind of business counsel I help art direct a little bit on their label. I don't do any label design, but I will look at what they're designing, give them some tips, 
Uh, we've done consumer studies, so we know what's making a consumer identify with, with one product versus another. Uh, and then we've got a sales team out there that is selling to the Bass Pros and Cabela's and Lowe's Hardware and Ace Hardware's. And uh, so they get the product out. Now, once it's out there, again, we've got you on the shelf. Now we got to get people to pick it up. So then I come back in with social media and marketing. So you'll see my, my barbecue spot logo on my shirt. Instead of being Amy from Old World Spices, I'm Amy from the barbecue spot. And I go out and have a, a partner that comes with me and just records on his cell phone. And we do interviews and we do little social media, uh, more of an influencer style. So it's, uh, I go from business Amy to, hi, I'm Amy at the barbecue spot. <laughs> 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 and I go, look where I am today. And oh my gosh, look who I just ran into. And I start interviewing people, let them talk about their products. And just kind of help them build a following, get people curious, you know, help them know what stores they can, where they can go find their products. So um, we just become partners. There's just a real synergy between the pitmasters and ourselves. And I always say, if they're not successful, I'm not successful. So we are helping them with all the little details and all they need to do is shine. They need to be out there cooking, doing what they love and letting me handle everything behind the scenes. Excellent. Sounds very interesting indeed. Sounds like you're almost too busy to enjoy the festival though. Oh, I always find time to enjoy it. I see cameras off at eight (laughs) o'clock. Fair (laughs) enough. That's a good rule. That's a good rule. And uh, you you got the Jack coming up in just a few weeks. Yes. I leave a week from Thursday. Um, So it's next week. Yes. I uh, leave for the Jack and very, very excited because again, it's been two years since some of these same teams that were at the Royal will be at the Jack and there's some that I only see at the Jack. So, um, it's a smaller contest. Uh, I don't know exactly what their numbers are, but I'm going to guess about 120 teams maybe that come in for that. I don't think they're doing shade tree this year, which was kind of their amateur startup team. So I think they have scaled it back a little bit to give everybody more space. Um, Here's what I always love about going to the Jack Daniels in Lynchburg, Tennessee, which is the home of Jack Daniels. You know, you, I'm, I'm assuming you're familiar with Jack Daniels whiskey in Australia. Oh, yes. Yes, okay. very. So it's a dry county. So we're not allowed to drink. <laughs> At the home of Jack Daniels. At the home of Jack Daniels, yes. So we have to walk around with cups like this, you know, you can't have the beer can, you can't show any bottles. So we still manage to have a good time. You just have to be a little subversive about it. Um, but it's, uh, it's just a really nice, it's a, it's a nice little town and it's, they're very welcoming. They really spoil all of us when we get in there. And uh, it's not the intensity of the American world. It's not a two day cook. It's a one day. So it's, um, you know, a little easier. On everybody, I think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so it's about time now to take a bit of a deep dive into, uh, into Old World Spices. And we've already uh, c- kind of spoken about how the business came about and how it's family uh, owned and operated. So are you uh, the, the only junk still working in the business? Is your, is your father still working? Are your kids involved? Are there brothers and sisters involved as well? Or is it just you at this stage? No, I have a sister and two brother-in-laws who are working in the company currently. And you know, it's funny, I, dad retired, um, I gotta think back, it's probably been 12 years ago that dad decided he was retiring 
and uh, we had moved offices. And he said, we go to this new office. I'm not going to have an office. Uh, my brother-in-law became our CEO. And he says, you know, this will be Russ's office. And I, I just want reports every day. We were only in there a couple of weeks. When he comes in, I see him looking at a supply closet. I said, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, I'm trying to figure out if I can get my desk in here. I said, no, 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 no. You said you were retiring. You said it was our turn to take over. You need to just step back now and let us do this. And it was really hard for him to stay out. So mom finally had to move him to Florida. So he couldn't just be bopping in every day and getting in everybody's hair. So they moved down to Venice, Florida, probably seven or so years ago. And are just happy as could be. They uh, just are really enjoying life. My father is 81 years old. And at about 77, 78, he calls me and says, hey, I just bought a bike. So why, okay. why did you buy a bike? He said, well, I can't golf every day. It's too hard on my back. So I'm on a bike every other day. And I think he's up to riding 15 miles a day. Wow. So, yeah. So when mom sends me pictures of him out golfing or riding or floating in the pool or reading a book, I just always, you know, smile and say, this is why I work so hard. So you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I hope my child is watching. I hope he's going to work that hard so his mom can do that soon. Yeah, yeah. So we're like like all parents. We're thinking surgeons, lawyers, engineers, things like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's what I tell my son anyway. I tell him, don't be a teacher. <laughs> I'm your, a teacher. Sorry, sorry, like, sorry. I'm a teacher. <laughs> does your son like a barbecue? Uh, he does a little bit actually. He he's um he's only nine. He he just uh, about six months ago went in his first um kids steak cook off. So we've got the awesome. uh we've got an Australian chapter of Kids Q Nation um operating over here, and so okay, he had his first great. crack at one of those competitions there a few months ago. Oh, that's wonderful, fun. Yeah, the kids cues are always so fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a bit hard for the for the kid that comes last. There's always tears and uh, and you know Aww. lots of lots of cuddles afterwards. But um, the the rest of them who sort of rank a bit higher up, they all have a really good time. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully it inspires something. Yeah, now my kid likes to eat, but I haven't really got his passion for live fire cooking instilled yet. He's more of a, a baker. So oh, that's okay. Fine. We can balance each other out. Yeah, well, there's a lot of creativity involved in that in terms of uh, like food, food mm-hmm. development stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Now, Ben, if you come over, you talked about the Jack and you talked about the American Royals. You know, I'm going to interview you. Um, okay. Have you come over for Memphis in May? I haven't been to Memphis in May or the Royal or the Jack, but I did come over and I was competing in 2018 at the World's Barbecue Championships in Houston. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, Memphis and May is a really neat one, too, if you guys get a chance to come over, because the Memphis style, the Memphis competitions are very different. When we do the Kansas City competitions, KCBS sanctioned, you know, you have to do four proteins. You have to do uh, brisket, chicken, ribs, and pork. When you go to Memphis, it's all pork. Whole hog, shoulder, and ribs. And when you're KCBS, you know, we do a turn-in box. Um, with your stuff, your, your box you carry to the judges and it has your blind number on it. Memphis, the judges come to your tent and they interview the pit master. So they're looking for your knowledge. They're wanting to know, you know, what kind of hog, what kind of cooker. They're, they're really diving in to find the expert pit master rather than just, you know, who turned in the, the prettiest box. So it's a really, really cool event if you get a chance to come over. 
Yeah, I have heard about that. And uh, the way it was told to me is that most teams um, have a spotter. And when the spotter sees the, the the judges start coming, they all run back inside to the trailer and change their shirts and button up and quickly comb the beard, then come back out again. And so they're so they're ready by the time the judges are there to uh, to show them around. Yeah, well, they actually decorate their whole tent area, so they'll get all the the party stuff is gone. The white tablecloths come out. They have flowers and plants, and I mean, they make it look like you're walking into someone's home. Um, yeah, they they go all out for it. It's really neat. And then Texas. Now, I just in 2019 started going down for some Texas competitions. I got to go to the San Antonio Livestock Rodeo Barbecue. And then a few weeks later, I followed up with the Houston Livestock Rodeo Barbecue. And I had to laugh. So I'm a certified judge for KCBS. And I'm also a certified judge for State Cook-Off Association. So we're in San Antonio. And we're trying to kind of peek in the tent to see what the judges are doing. You kind of want to know how it's, you know, how it's different than what we do. Somebody walked up and said, hey, we need chicken judges. Do you, want to, do you want to be a judge? And I said, oh, I'm not certified down here in Texas. They said, oh, you don't have to be certified in Texas. We don't certify in Texas. You just tell us if you like how it tastes. And they ushered me into the tent. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, a lot of, that was a lot of fun, too. And that's probably my favorite part, traveling around the country, getting to see how things are done differently in different regions. And, you know, I learn something new every time I go. Uh, even the pitmasters that I see cook over and over again. I don't think they ever do anything the same way twice. So I'm I'm always learning and growing from the experience. Yeah, well, that would be a great opportunity for you to develop insights into the different, uh, you know, flavor profiles and whatnot. So you get a bit of an idea of what, what flavors are going to work in what different regions of the country, depending on which businesses you're working with. So I can see how that would be not just awesome fun, but also a huge benefit to, uh, to, to um, Old World Spices as well. Now, yeah, I, I you know, they say you got to cook to the judges. You don't cook to what you like. You have to cook to the judges. So these guys have to know where they go. Oh, that was the other thing in Texas. They said when the judges are waiting to go in the tent, we have a little holding area as one set of judges are finishing and before the next set goes in, and they'll offer you water, soda, or possibly beer. They said if there's beer, they all run back and salt their food heavier. Because oh, Because it goes okay. better with the beer that you're drinking while you're judging. <laughs> Good to know. There's a good trick. So uh, let's let's sort of loop back to the business a bit here. Now, um, I was really curious when I was reading the the website to see all the different brands and like huge brands. You know, like Head Head Country is one of the most well known brands in the states, and you guys work with them. How, we how actually many... just purchased them, Ben. Oh, really? We just about sixty days ago purchased Head Country, so it's our first foray into wet product because we've been just a dry blender up to this point. So yeah, they're now part of a part of the old world family. Well, congratulations! That's a huge get. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So, h- how many pounds of barbecue spice rub per year would you estimate you uh you you handle? Oh my gosh. Now, if you ask my production guys, that would come right off the top of their head. I know that we produce over a million bottles a year. Um, wow. and those bottles are going to be, um you know, anywhere from a, an eight ounce bottle up to a 16 ounce bottle, but pr- primarily the larger bottles, uh, the 16, when I say 16 ounce, I'm talking volumetric, um, yep. you know, it might be a 12 ounce when we fill it. Um, but then the bulk stuff, I have, you know, I, I wish I could quote you that number, but it's millions, it'd be, millions. It'd of be pounds. gastronomical. Yeah. 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 It'd be huge, mm-hmm. huge, huge, huge. 
So tell me, what are what are some of the things that that most new brands struggle with when they're you know, developing their, their off with, with trying to figure out what their identity is? Um, you know, I always tell them you've got to figure out who you are, and you've got to stay true to that. So if I have a let's say a, a chef from the Northeast, let's go, you know, Vermont, Maine, New York. Um, and they're going to be a little more sometimes culinary trained, sometimes, you know, chefs or um, French influenced or Italian influenced or, you know, I say, stay with that. Stay with that. Don't go try to be Southwest ghost pepper because it doesn't fit your image. So when you're developing a brand, it's not just what color is my label going to be. It's what's my story. What's my identity? How do I stand out as different than everybody else? Once you do that, then it's fairly easy to try to get those flavor profiles then that are still unique to you, but that will um, resonate well with the consumer. Right. And so that's, you, you sort of coach them through all that, uh, all that process then. Yes, get them to kind of think about who they are, what they want to stand for. And then, you know, we went through a phase, uh, you know, 20 years ago where everybody wanted these, I'm going to say kind of crass names and labels. And mm -hmm. th that was great then. Those worked well back then. But um, barbecue's gotten a lot more sophisticated with all of the cooking shows on TV and the celebrity chefs and um, the food networks. It's just, you have to be. You can still have fun with it, but I tell them if you're if you've got the 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 pig with the big bosom driving a tractor, that's probably not going to resonate very well today. Uh, that might sell in your little end of a barbecue specialty store where people are going to come in and laugh at it, but it's probably not going to go in your hardware, your Bass Pro, your Cabela's. Matter of fact, we had um, Lowe's. Uh, are you familiar with Lowe's? It's one of our bigger big box hardware chains over here. Um, they wouldn't let us put a product in that was called pig's ass. It was a Memphis style rub and it was called pig's ass and it was too crass. So they made us rename it booty rub. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Booty is more, uh, socially appropriate than, than saying I, ass I now. Guess in, I guess in that store it was. Um, the other thing I tell people to watch on their names is can you trademark it? Because if you can't protect your name, there's no sense in putting it out there and putting all the money behind it. So um, if it's, you know, a, a take off another brand name, you know, maybe uh, maybe it's not Jack Daniels. Maybe you make it Jack Danny or something. Well, you probably can't trademark that. You're going to be too close. Um, so you know, really give some thought into the name, not just is it cute, but can I protect this? Because I don't want to find out five years from now somebody's going to come sue me. Um, we had something we were putting out that was just going to be called, I can't remember how it started off, but it was something butt rub. And, uh, we had bad Byron's butt rub sent us a cease and desist letter and said, I've protected, he's protected, not just bad Byron's butt rub. He's protected butt rub. So no one can use that on their products. So, you know, that's expensive when you have to then go pull product and run new labels and get new, you know, advertising and, and everything together. So it, pay a little money to a good copyright attorney or trademark attorney. Make sure you can protect your name before you go to market. 
Yeah, very interesting there. Um, just before we we move on, I want to have a quick uh, quick chat about the social initiatives. I I was looking on the website. I find it really interesting these days about the uh, the community awareness and the and the give back to the community that a lot of big businesses are doing these days. Can you give us a bit of a a bit of a run through of the social initiatives that Old World Spices are engaged in? Mm-hmm. Being a food company, we've always focused on food charities. Um, being that we have a family full of teachers, my mother was a teacher, uh, myself, there's four girls in my family, three of us were teachers. Um, we kind of take the mantra that the only way to end the cycle of poverty is to feed the mind and feed the body. So we try to go for charities that are, that are doing that, um, that are, um, not only supplying food and filling our bellies, but educating us, educating us about our food, educating us about nutrition. And, um, I don't know, that just seems to, it makes everybody in our company feel like we have a cohesive message. I'm sorry. My dog is making a little noise here. Let me see if I can get someone to come take care of him really quick. Um, I'm so sorry. That's okay. He's going to start whining and barking at me. So I just, I, 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 I text the 15 year old and say, come get the dog. So just a second. Yes. (laughs) Sorry. Um, we, in 2014, got involved with Operation Barbecue Relief. Now they just started, are you familiar with Operation Barbecue Relief? Yes. Yes. Okay. So they are responding whenever there is a natural disaster, hurricanes, floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, um, wildfires. I don't know if they came to Australia and did anything when you guys were having issues, but, um, it's a little harder to probably go across the pond. To, to bring all of your stuff over. But um, they started in uh, 2011 when the Joplin tornadoes came through and wiped out the city of Joplin, Missouri. And it really was just some competition pitmaster buddies who decided that they needed to help. It's like, you know, this whole town got wiped out. There's no grocery stores. There's no power. There's, you know, there's nothing, no way for them to get food, cook food, have safe food. So they loaded up their smokers, drove down to a Sam's Club parking lot, set everything up. And I think as they started posting on social media and more people heard more, more pit masters just started showing up and they suddenly had an 11 day, uh, tailgate in the parking lot, feeding anybody who needed food. And since then they've gotten organized where they now have deployment teams. And I last count I heard was 19 States wow. uh, here in the U S and so they can respond really quickly, uh, when there's any kind of a disaster. And um, if I, I'm going to misquote the meals, um, but I believe it's between seven and eight million meals that they've served now in 20 years. Um, wow. So that's another one that we've really, you know, kind of hitched our wagon to and said, okay, how can we help you? So it's more than just giving them um, free barbecue rub when they have a deployment. It's how do we help get a revenue stream in? So we worked with them to develop a line of rubs that. Uh, mirrored some of the major deployments that they had done around the country. So we could have a flavor from Texas, a flavor from Florida, a flavor from California. Um, and we bottled these rubs uh, just under an Operation Barbecue Relief name. And we started taking them out to our retailers. Well, Lowe's picked up on it and loved it. And they agreed to bring them in their store. They made a kiosk that features Operation Barbecue Relief, has pictures, tells their story. Wow. And then they donate a dollar for every bottle sold. They donate a dollar back to Operation Barbecue Relief. So we're starting to get more big retailers now that are getting aware of them, that are bringing in their products. 
I can't say names yet till they actually sign deals with them. But our hope was that through having their own signature product line, they can have a revenue stream coming in all the time to help them with future deployments instead of having to you know go out and beg for checks every time something happened. That's incredible. That's such amazing work, and I I I love that you've been able to tie all that together in that in that sort of way. Um, all right. So now, what would a a typical process look like for someone wanting to start their own spice rub say you know that there's a pit master watching this or listening to this and says you know what i want to start my own spice line as a spice rub uh brand what would Mm -hmm. the standard work process look like there well first of all i think i'd probably want to ask them are you making your own recipe from scratch or are you using someone else's products and tweaking it and you know we have a lot of both we have people who will come to us with a recipe and it's probably measured out in a tablespoon of this and a pinch of this. Go get a gram scale. Go make your recipe, weigh it out so that you know, and then make it three or four times following your own recipe to make sure you actually have it where you want it. Because it's amazing the difference how I'm going to measure a tablespoon and how you're going to measure a tablespoon. So gram scales are 10 bucks. <laughs> Go buy one at the store. Um, if you're using someone else's product, you have to be, you know, to me, it always just kind of crosses a, um, it's, it's a, not only an ethical line, but it's a, a business commitment line to me that if you are using, we discussed earlier, sweet swine of mine and Luton booty, let's say you're combining sweet swine of mine's Texas rub with a Luton booty, Jolly Roger rub, and you're adding some garlic to it. Okay. Um, I'm not going to help you match that because I'm committed to those two people and I have signed confidentialities and those are their products and they own those. Okay. Now let's go to somebody I don't work with. I don't want to say any names, but let's say you have somebody who I'm not making their product and you bring it to me and say, I really like this, but I want a little less salt or I want to take out the MSG. You know what? That's what I have food scientists for. We will break it down. We need a sample. We need an ingredient statement. And uh, from there, we can break it down. We can figure out what's in it. Might take a couple of rounds of samples going back and forth um, with you tasting it until we get it exactly what you would envision or what you want. Uh, but then you're good to go. The next caution is how are you going to get it out there? So matching the product, coming up with a recipe is one thing. Uh, how are you going to get it to the stores? And we have a lot of people that, because they know that we do that, they come to us and assume, well, if you match my product, you're going to go sell it for me. Well, we're real selective about who we bring in to our program. Matter of fact, this week we have we have an annual meeting we call our SKU rationalization. Uh, SKU meaning the uh, SKU stands for, I don't know, like the, the SKU number, the barcode that's on each product. And we sit and look at the end of each season for us at what's moving, what's not moving. Uh, if it's somebody we've been working with and their product has slowed down, we try to figure out why. Does it need a label refresh? Should we put it in a different size? Um, is there you know, an off flavor or something people aren't liking? And sometimes you just have to say, you know what, we've given this two years. It's just not, it's not taken off. Consumers aren't responding. And so we take them out of the program. But we look at not only is there a need for your product, do you stand out? I don't need one more all-purpose rub in my lineup. There's too many of them already. So you have something like the Jolly Roger that's really different, you know, okay, there's nothing like that. Uh, if it's Boar's Night Out, uh, they're coming out with a new one called Midwest Dust. Well, you know, they have been so successful with White Lightning that we think anything we put their name on is probably gonna sell. So 
that's an easy decision to bring them in. All right, now if it's Ben's butt rub coming in, I'm going to probably look at that and say, all right, Ben, what's your plan? What are you going to do with it? Well, you're going to sell it for me, Amy. Well, Ben, tell me what your story is. Why is that going to be successful? Uh, do you have world championships? Are you a veteran? Are you, you know, what can I tell? What can I go out there to push retailers on number one? And what can I tell consumers that's going to make them pick you up over, over the person sitting next to you? So there's a, there's a lot more than just having a good recipe if you really want a marketable product. Yeah, some, uh, some very interesting insights there. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's interesting to know that the story is equally as important as the product itself. Social media today is everything, Ben. And you've got it. That's how you touch people. I mean, it's grassroots. It's the cheapest, most efficient way to get people to know about your product is to go on social media. But if you don't have an interesting story, if you're just going to go out and put pictures of your bottle on Instagram, nobody's going to really care. You can have some pretty meat shots and your church group and your mom and, you know, your neighbors are going to go, wow, Ben, that's a really good looking rack of ribs. When can I come over? If you could go out and tell a story about why this made your ribs better than the next guy's. Okay. That's, it's more of that influencer. It's, um, and getting other people to talk about your product. That's why I go out a lot of times as Amy from Barbecue Spot, because when I talk about somebody's product that's not under my name, it's gonna get a lot more attention. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Okie dokie, now we're into the third segment of the show here, and this is the part of the show where our guest gets to uh, give a lesson to the audience. And so I'm going to sort of sit back and just sort of throw the studio open to you and you can uh, impart some words of wisdom on us. Oh my gosh. Haven't I been doing that all along? <laughs> That's a good point. I did word that poorly, didn't I? <laughs> the barbecue, you've got to do it because you love it, not because you're going to get rich at it. I think um, people who go to competitions and when you look at the number of teams who go to competitions, um, there's so many variables that are going to affect you. Um, the d table of judges that you get, um, who your product gets turned in next to. Um, and th that sounds funny, but everybody always says there's a certain point leader here in the States, um, Joe Pierce from Slaps. Everybody says, oh, if you see Joe turning his box in, you hold back. Nobody wants to turn their box in right after Joe because you don't <laughs> want to try his and then try in yours. Um, so you're not doing it because you're going to get rich and win a $10,000 check, you know, for a GC. You're doing it because it's your passion, because it's your family. It's because there's no other way you want to spend a weekend than cooking meat in a parking lot. Right? So think of it as a fairly expensive hobby that <laughs> is a little safer than probably, you know, other hobbies maybe that you could pick up. Um, if you want to go retail with your product, you know, again, just know you've got to be able, you've got to know that you are set out from the crowd. You've got to find good partners to work with, whether that's a good co-packer that you really trust. Um, I'm so sorry. See, my dog is agreeing with me. I don't know if you can hear her over here. Yeah. Um, sorry, now I uh, kind of lost my train. I apologize, Ben. This is the fun of working from home, right? When you have all the interruptions. Um, 
Yeah, setting another SOS to my son to come get her and put her up. Um, so it's the fun, it's the passion. Of course, it's good eating. Um, please take care of your health. You know, I, I, it breaks my heart sometimes when I see some of these pit masters who are so good at their craft and such wonderful people, but we tend to overindulge in our passions. So, um, you know, whether that's just trying to keep moderation or if that is um, getting some exercise while you're out. I know a lot of these competitions, they start off with a, a prayer group on Sunday mornings or something, you know, maybe we should start an exercise group. Maybe we should go run around the event a couple of times. <laughs> Not a bad idea. And then come back. But, you know, anymore, I just, uh, our, our health becomes a last focus. And I think we all enjoy, enjoy all of our passions more if we can try to keep ourselves healthy at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then don't quit your day job until you know you've got something, you know. Uh, work it as a hobby, even introducing a product out there in the market. Have some fun with it. Um, I have had teams tell me that they launched a barbecue rub or a sauce because it, and started a business because then they could write off the cost of their competitions on their taxes. You know, hey, whatever gets you out there, whatever helps you. But um, don't quit your day job until you go deeply into it, have a, have a good financial plan, and probably a very understanding spouse. <laughs> that is definitely important, yeah. You need someone who's not going to uh, be too upset when there's yet another barbecue appearing in the backyard. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I know so many wonderful couples that barbecue together, and it just seems to really enhance... If you can cook over an open pit together, you got a pretty solid relationship, right? Definitely. definitely. I, I've yet to hear a bickering couple over a smoker at a barbecue contest. Yeah, it is hard to get worked up when the uh, when that delicious smoky fire is going and it's radiating heat and yeah, that's what uh, mm -hmm. that that's part of what uh, about barbecue brings people together. Absolutely. All right, that's probably a good point for us to start uh, to wrap up the show here. So uh, give some thanks, give some praise, give some shout-outs to people that have helped you out along the way and make sure they tell uh, you tell everybody where they can track you down on the internet. Well, if you want to go to barbecuespot.com, you can see all the different brands that are in our distribution program. You can order directly. Um, we have a wonderful partner right there in Australia, uh, Tim and Carolyn Harkin. Uh, with Hark. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they, yes. um, oh my gosh, they do a phenomenal job. They bring almost everything that's in my line. They bring over to Australia and distribute, and we work very, very closely with them. Um, I would caution you guys right now with everything going on in the world. Freight has become backed up. Uh, supply chains are really backed up. So if you see a product and say, oh my gosh, this is my favorite. I'm going to buy a bottle. Buy three because it might not be there the next time you go back. Spices don't expire like other food. If you keep it unopened and out of direct sunlight or direct fluorescent lights, um, it will keep for three years. Okay, I mean, there's nothing in it that's going to spoil. So if you see something you really like, just right now during these times, buy it up. Um, I wish I had a list of, of retailers in Australia that are carrying all of our products. I do not. Um, I imagine maybe through Tim and Carolyn, through the Hark um, site. I don't know if they would have a list, but I think they mirror what we do over here with hardware. 
uh, barbecue specialty uh, outdoor outdoor um, living stores. So, um, you know, go where the good equipment is sold and you're going to find the good rubs. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Just a quick question. What effect does fluoro light have on spices? Fluorescent lights. Yeah, yeah. What does it do? Uh, the light, it fades the paprikas. Oh. So it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the actual flavor, but it will fade your color. So if you ever pick up a bottle on the shelf and you see it's kind of gray around the top band and gray around the bottom, but then you shake it up and the color gets all mixed up again, that's because where the label is covering, it's protecting the spice, but where it's exposed on those top and bottom ridges, it's um, any capsicum, red pepper, paprika, chili peppers, all fade under light. Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that before. All righty. Well, look, I'm going to say thank you very much for your time. And uh, that that puppy dog probably needs a walk and a and a feed. So because I've, I've I've noticed that the that it's gone from daylight to nighttime behind you in the window there. Yeah. So uh, it's it, it's <laughs> it probably is, puppy uh, dinner time. Yeah, it's a little before eight o'clock here now, so our days are getting shorter. Yep. Starting to cool off a little bit. So, yeah. But thank you. Yes, Ben, this has been wonderful. I've really enjoyed meeting you. And thanks for letting me just talk so much because I like talking. Hey, people don't, uh, don't, don't watch the show to listen to me talk. They, they watch the show <laughs> to listen to the guests talk. So you just made my job a whole lot easier. Well, you let me know when you're going to go over here stateside and I will make sure you have a proper tour. I will do, definitely. Thank you very much and thank you for your time. Okay. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. That was the ever bubbly, always lovely Amy Junk from Old World Spices. A ton of information there for any of you out there who are thinking about opening your own uh, range of spice rubs. It's a really popular thing to do in Australia at the moment. I know there's a lot of pitmasters here that have been using our time at home in the last 18 months to to work on those recipes and make those refinements. So there's a ton of jewels in there in, in this episode to, uh, to help you get uh, off on the right foot in that uh, in that direction. Now, before we do wind this up today, I do just need to give you a quick reminder of the announcements from the top of the episode. Our shirts and hoodies are available on our on our website if you're up for some merch. While you're there, pick up your free ebook, The Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. There's everything you need to know to go from zero to hero in the in the uh, world of low and slow barbecue. Join us in the Smoking on Confessions community over on Facebook. That's where we've recorded this live today and where we have a whole lot of conversations and share tips and tricks for for barbecue and low and slow. And if you're catching up this later on on the socials, do the thing, the likes, the shares, the comments, all that stuff. We love that and it helps us as well. And that's all we've got time for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions.